Welcome to Shepherd's Fold Ministries for this encouragement podcast. I'm Brent Van Hook, your host. Thank you for joining us. Today we're going to hear part B of my interview with Rob Renfro. It's going to be a story of a time in which God brought great encouragement to him and helped him continue on in the work that he was doing. So this podcast is going out to all ministers. As you do the work of Jesus Christ, I hope this story will encourage you to continue on with what you're doing. Learn more about us at shepherdsfoldministries.com. And now let's turn to the story from Rob Renfro. You know, I have a, a story about probably the time that I was the most uh, down. Would would it be okay if I shared that with folks? I'd, I'd love to hear that story, yeah. and and thank you for opening your heart to to share that yeah. with us. Yeah, talk talk to us. Well, again, some of our discouragement, and I want to put this right up front, is we create it. Okay, it's how we see a situation. It's how we interpret what people have done. It's our expectations that things should go a certain way. So, you know, that's always kind of the first place to look um, and, and make certain that you're being fair to yourself and you're not bringing discouragement to yourself just because your expectations uh, of other people or of yourself are, are so high. And I think that's a big part of this story. But nevertheless, that's that kind of led into this. So I, uh, when I first went into ministry, I came out of seminary. I was associate pastor, uh, actually right where I am now, the Woodlands United Methodist Church. And it was a five-year-old church. It was a new community. Everything was growing. Everything was very positive. Uh, everything we tried succeeded. Um, just could not have been a better place to be excited about being in ministry had all kinds of wonderful resources. But the problem is when you leave a place like that, there are not many places that you have that same experience. And when you begin to compare where you are now to where you were when it was like that, you can think, well, why are things not happening that way? So I left this uh, suburban Houston master planned community where everything was growing and positive to go to a small town in East Texas, full of really wonderful, great people, but a town of about 6,000 folks. And they, they wanted the church to grow, but a lot of people in small towns, they kind of moved to a small town because they like it that way. And they don't see the same kind of reason, have the same kind of commitment, passionless grow and all of that. So, um, People were very positive and receptive to me, and they were always great to me. I want to make certain um, that's said. But I, what I started doing to myself is we're not growing the way that we were, the way I think we should. And just probably being a young man at that point, probably having my ego involved in ministry and thinking that all of this reflected on me and why wasn't I able to make it the way that was in the other church. And that probably doesn't sound as bad to others as it did to me, but I just got really, really down. And I, I will say kind of depression runs in our family, depression, anxiety, and so all of that kind of compounded. And I remember one Saturday morning, the parsonage was right across from the church. I was so down and just doubted my calling, didn't know what I should really do, what I could do anymore. I was walking over to the church to uh, work on my sermon. And before I left the house, I, I just said to my wife, um, I said, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. 
And um, I, I said, just give me two good reasons why I should stay in the ministry. Now, my wife is smart enough to know that when I get in one of these moods, the right thing to do is not give me an answer, okay? Try to prove to me that I shouldn't feel the way I do. So God bless her. So she said, well, I pray for you. And honestly, that kind of just made me matter. You know, oh, I'll pray for you. I, I'm telling you, I'm like dying here. And you're like this little, I'll play, pray for you. So I go over to the church and I come back and I open the door for lunch. And she says, I got your two reasons. I said, what? She said, I got your two reasons why you should stay in the ministry. And I thought, wonderful. Let me have them shoot them out. I'm going to grab them in midair. I'm going to tear them up and throw them back in your face because there is no way in the world you could over the last three hours possibly have come up with my two good reasons. Now, let me just tell you that uh, one thing that we did on Saturday mornings is that my sermon from the previous week would play on the local radio station. Some um, some good member decided if he would pay for people to be able to hear me on Saturday mornings, it would just bring people from all over the community rushing into our church on uh, Sunday morning. It never happened that way, but I was appreciative uh, for him. So she said, I said, what are your two good reasons? Uh, she said, Elaine Banks and Judy Thompson. I said, never heard of them. She said, well, they heard of you. I said, who are they? said, um, they, heard your, um, they heard your sermon this morning. Now, this is bizarre. Nobody had ever before called about my sermon. Nobody ever called afterwards. As a matter of fact, it was in the phone book. It simply listed Methodist Parsonage. Okay. Right. Elaine Banks, Judy Thompson, they both called the house today about your sermon. So what did they say? She said, well, Elaine Banks, she's from Arkansas. And here I am in this little town in East Texas. She said that she has been in the most difficult, depressed point of her life. Uh, she lost her husband about a year ago, and she's never believed that life would be good again. But she heard your message this morning, and God spoke to her. And she said, for the first time in a year, she has hope. And she said, thank you. And then she said, the other one called uh, from Louisiana. And she said that she had been down for the last six months. She said she hadn't opened the curtains in her house for the last six months. She has lived in darkness. But when she heard you speaking, presence of God came into her house came into her life, told her that she was loved and that everything was going to be all right and that there was a reason for her to live. And she said, tell Rob that when I'm talking to you right now, I'm standing in my front room. I've opened up the drapes. I've opened up the blinds. The sun is coming in to my living room and it's falling on me. And I feel like I'm alive again. So um, those were my two reasons, and those were pretty good reasons. I thought, I thought, yeah. wow, I got to stay in the ministry, and uh, and maybe that's a good thing. And so, you know, what I want pastors who are listening to hear, I want them to hear. You have no idea 
how what you're doing impacts the lives of others. I, hopefully I impacted other people. They never called. And I, I, I don't begrudge that. God just knew I needed this. So you've got all kinds of people that you're making a difference. That sermon that gave them a reason to hold on, that hospital visit that said somebody cares for me, I'm, I'm not alone. Uh, a phone call that you made that just tells some shut-in person, you know, I gave my life to Jesus and now I'm elderly and probably people at the church don't even remember me. That new pastor doesn't even know who I am, but my church family hasn't forgotten me and somebody does care for me and God does remember what I did. Look, what we do, um, I know I'm biased. There is nothing more important than what we do. And part of it is sharing the word of life with people in a way that lets them know God loves them, cares about them, desires to forgive them and have a relationship with them. And some of it is just being that presence of Jesus in somebody's life that lets them know there's a reason to hang on. They're not forgotten and God is with them.